Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenge to Podcast. Once again, joined by my friend Jakub, and we're going to just talk about the four events that happened this week. Then we're going to talk about the two events that are going to happen. I'm at one of them, but that's going to be a little while later. Where do you want to start, Jakub? I guess there was one bigger event than the others, but if you want to start someplace else, it's fine by me. I, I think we should start with the biggest one, and that okay. was Koblenz, where I got my point that uh, that's why uh, you want to start in Koblenz. Of, of course, uh, Roman Safiulin beating Vasek Pospisil 6 2 7 5 in the final. Um, it, it wasn't really looking like that was going to happen in the final, though, because their roads were very different. Safiulin uh, went three sets every single time. He was, I think, struggling against players we don't usually see him struggle against so he started by dropping a set to Blancano winning 6-1 in the third uh went all the way to a third set tiebreak with Escoffier and was actually down three love uh in the third set there then beat Vatutin 6-3 1-6 weird match down down a set again to Collignon in the semis uh but when when he gets to the final he wins them he's never lost a challenger final 4-0 up 80 spots number 82 new career high ranking what did you think of Roman Safiulin this week yeah, I'm kind of glad he won in two, not in three, because if he won in three, I was, um, yeah, I was, I was going to try to see when that last happened, when someone won a challenger winning all matches in deciding sets. And that mm. would have been some very tedious manual research, <laughs> which I was not <laughs> excited about, uh, with how tired I was today. And, uh, yeah, he did it in two. As you said, I mean, at some point, I was honestly very surprised that no, no one on Twitter, like, was screaming at me for constantly talking about the slow courts in Cobbler because I feel like I was mentioning them a lot but you know that's the reality I think they really impacted a lot of the results here and potentially also the matches that he that Safiuni had at the beginning I mean against Blanca Noder where I think 13 breaks yeah. and 28 service games which is just insane on an indoor hardcourt because it's barely an indoor hardcourt did it speed up throughout the week? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe you have a take on this because it, it certainly seemed like that in the last few matches, but maybe it was just Safirin and Pospisil making them play and you know, look faster than I don't know, someone like Collage or Miller could. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I only caught matches early in the week. I was, I was okay. more focused on, on Davis Cup over the weekend. Uh, but yeah, they, they looked very slow to me. Um, in, in Jean Collage as well, in, in Safilin Blancano, that first set, it was, it felt like a, really like a slog. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was, it was weird to see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, did, did they speed up by the end? Did they get more used to it as they went on? I'm, I'm not sure what, what happened there. In, yeah. In me neither. Obviously, Safirin Pospisil, you know, it's going to look faster than, I don't know, Collage Miller, mm. which was a match that yeah. we had this week. 
but yeah, Safiulin just dealt with it well, I guess. He had that one match against Escoffier when he was 0-3 down, but other than that, all the deciders were uh, short, quick, uh, very, very mm-hmm. uh, you know, comprehensive for him. And yeah, in the, in the final, he was definitely the better player. Pospisil probably had his worst performance of the week, but it's not something that Safiulin will care about. And I think as we mentioned maybe last week, or maybe I was just putting it in some tweet, uh, Marseille points, uh, semif- Marseille semifinal points, Safiulin was going to defend them soon. Now he basically basically did that and then some with the 100 points from Koblenz. So, uh, yeah, that's excellent for him and should keep him in the top 100 for a little while longer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think that was key maybe for him mentally as well, that he dominated three of these four matches by by the end of them. Uh, so, 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 so it didn't feel like battle after battle after battle. Uh, he just had sort of two quite slow starts, uh, but yeah, he finished strong for in, in all of them. I mean, he won all of his matches, so yeah, that's what happens when you're the champion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for post Pichel, it was his 18th challenger final, 11 and seven in those finals, and he did not drop a single set until uh, this final. He was actually the bookie's favorite as well. Um, so on this run, he beat Emilio Navas, 7-5-6-2, then Rosenkrantz, two tie breaks, beat Wessel, 6-4-6-2, did not give any chances to Collage at all, 6-1-6-3 in, the, in those semis. Uh, he moved up 13 spots, number 100. What did you think of Paul Spichel this week? Uh, I think he probably had a bit of a... Oh, he definitely had a bit of a different route than Safiulin. Uh, more powerful players, especially in the first three matches, of course, not against Collage. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I thought he was probably the better player coming into the final. He seemed to be dealing with these slow courts better. I think he had a lot of time to set up for the forehand. You know, the serve was still bringing him three points, which is is the same for Safiulin pretty much. Uh, I guess, you know, recently he has a lot of these bad days at the office. Usually it just coincides with... Um, coincides with uh, him uh, not really being able to move his feet that well. And today I thought his footwork was just so sloppy uh, to the forehand corner. He was never a great mover, but I just think that's the part of this game that's really declined. And on some days he can really struggle to get going in that department. And the final was just another one of these for me. He, of course, had that brief moment when Safirin led him back in in the second set. He had a couple of set points and a play on one of them for sure. But, uh, well... Uh, he he wasted that, but yeah, definitely. If the way he played in the final, he did not deserve to win it. Yeah, we can move on to our semi-finalists, uh, starting with Zdenia Kolaj, who makes his first Challenger semi-final appearance since Barletta in April last year. It has been a struggle for him since Roland Goro. I feel like we both tweeted about this uh, throughout this week. Uh, yeah. On this run, he beat Bellier in straight sets, then took out top seed and your pick, Zhizhen Zhang. 6-3 in the third, uh, outlasted Alexander Muller in the third set tie break. What did you think of Kolaj this week? Do you feel like he's turned the corner or was it more of a more of a luckier run this week? You know, the combination of slow indoor, I think, is amazing for him. Uh, we could definitely yeah. see how much more comfortable he was handling Zhang's or Bellier's power. Uh, especially uh, Zhang was such a fun match. I mean, in, in 34 consecutive points on serves, then a Kolash won 32. That must be a first for him. I mean, I, I can't imagine this not being a record for the guy. Uh, we, we talked about it last time that, um, well, we are fans of the player, I mean, of the person, Zdenek Kolash, but not necessarily of what he shows on the court. And yeah, his style is limited, but of course, I, 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 I actually started thinking about this a couple of days ago. Like, 
does he belong at the challenger level or is it more that I got used to seeing him there? But anyway, you know, yeah, this is a big run for him. Now he's going to stay afloat until Rangaros uh, probably where he defends 70 points. So uh, yeah, he needs to make some, he needs to get some more results before then. Uh, a little bit of a shame he was crushed in the semis like that. I thought on that slow, slow court he might have a shot again at, at Vasek, but... Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe he did speed up with with wear as the as the week went on. Who knows? Uh, then we had Rafael Collignon making the semifinals here, saving a match point in the first round over Heis Brauer in a five seven seven six six three win, taking out Andy Laxon in the straight sets uh, and getting a retirement from Maxime Materer after seven games. His second challenger semifinal this season already, and he breaks the top two fifty uh, as he goes up to number two hundred thirty six in the rankings. What did you think of Collignon? Pretty impressive run this week. Yeah, um, I mean, again, uh, slow indoor court, very good for him. But, you know, it's it's a second challenger uh, semifinal of the year for him. Uh, Belgian tennis on the rise, right? I mean, Onclin, Delors, Collignon, it seems like all mm. of these guys will be playing challenger tour regularly pretty soon. And, of course, Berks is, uh, is way higher. Uh, so yeah, I mean they, they they choked the Davis Cup tie away, but oh, yeah. yes, <laughs> overall true. on the rise. But that was actually you know that was Berg's, that was Goffin, and that was uh, Gilardiegan. So uh, neither of these mm. challenger guys really took place. In yeah, it, so not 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 these part, guys, Sorry, yeah, yeah not not took, uh, neither of these took part in it. Uh, but yeah, uh, great great run for him for sure. Uh, it's um, just a shame that he couldn't really. Uh, touch Sapulin in the in the latter two sets because after the first it certainly felt like uh maybe he's gonna be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody else you want to talk about from the singles in Copland? Probably not. Patutin had a fantastic round by the way, but and that's also mm-hmm. another impact of these cards for sure. Uh, the way he was hitting his backhand, you know, the, the way it also mitigates the advantage of serve, you know, the, the, the guys like Kolaj, Fatutin, these guys who don't really serve like at all, they don't have any advantage because of their serve. They, they thrived here. And that's, yeah, that's why I kept uh, talking about these slow courts. Sorry if that irritated <laughs> someone. <laughs> In the doubles, we had Falabet and Yebens win the title over Eserik and Molchanov. We can move over to Tenerife, where I came close to getting port. Not that close, but my game did make it to the final. Uh, Matteo Arnaldi won the title over Raul Brancaccio, 6-1-6-2 for his second challenger title. Uh, first one was a 50, I think, so so the, the first yes. one that's of a 75 or higher category. Uh, on this run, he beat Janessi in three sets, Mochizuki in three sets as well. Uh, Krutich and Alvarez Varona were his win in straight sets. Um, yeah, he finished strong, only dropping three games in the final. He's now uh, at number 110 in the rankings, 37 points away from the top 100 debut. What did you think about Naldi this week? Yeah, finished strong, I think, even even since the quarterfinals onwards. Uh, definitely a bit shaky in the first two rounds, but from the quarters onwards, he was amazing. Uh, just insane defense against Alvarez Varona and Krutek, who both seem to be playing extremely well. And Brancaccio just didn't really push him in the final, maybe because of the blister on his hand or whatever he had the, the, the medical timeout on. Uh, but certainly a very strong run. I think really we are arriving at a point where, I mean, Arnaldi's top 100 is probably secured, right? He, he He's going to get these results anyway. But I think uh, another question that actually makes a little sense now 
is whether even he, you know, whether clay courts are even better for him than Hart now. And I guess we'll see in the spring, but, you know, he's certainly uh, improved so much when it comes to playing on, on these sort of surfaces. Um, not not a fluke uh, in, uh, what was it, Saint-Tropez last year, not a fluke at the next-gen finals. And yeah, uh, from the quarterfinals onwards, he was really uh, fantastic. So, Yeah. As for Brancaccio, it was his third challenger final. Document starting slow, he he got bageled in his first set in Tenerife by Milojevic, but turned that match around to win 6-2 in the third. Uh, eliminated Daniel Cox in straight sets, beat Carlos Tabernier 6-3, 6-7, 6-love, and then got a walkover from Lloyd Harris in the semis to make it to the final. Up 23 spots, number 124 now, 96 points away from top 100. Do you feel like we have another Italian in the top 100 debut uh, coming up soon here? Very possible. I mean, he basically isn't defending much until like June, July. He is defending some results uh, along yeah, the it's, way. Yeah, it's seven points here, seven points there. Exactly. For, for the most part. So, yeah, I think so. I don't think it will be the most deserved top 100 debut, frankly. A lot of his points uh, come from weaker events. Numea title. Final here, by the way, this was probably like the worst, really, you know, one. how how do you even get to a hardcore challenger final beating Milojevic, Cox and Tabernet? <laughs> you know, Milojevic with, with how much, uh, how out of form he's been, uh, also not really able to play on hardcore, Tabernet the same. And, and Cox, yeah, uh, it, it really would have been a very weak title run if he did it. The final still grants him 50 points, right? So, yeah, he is actually in a very good position to make it now. Uh, do I think he is a top 100 player? Mm, you know, he's definitely done enough to deserve the, the ranking spot that he is at right now. Since June, he's been just, you know, fabulous. Uh, a friend of mine made, made a comparison of Brancaccio to Kachin, and I think in a lot of ways it makes sense. Uh, Brancaccio has a has a bigger forehand, of course. Catching serves better, but they're both like very very basic aggressive baseliners. But they are mm-hmm. very very good at what they want to do on the court. They just know how to execute these these simple patterns. And yeah, he he has definitely uh, put himself in contention and and did extremely well at that. Yeah, I mean, and it's and it's as we talk about maximizing your talent. I feel like yeah. Brancaccio is very much if he reaches the top one hundred. That is squeezing all, <laughs> uh, squeezing out what he can uh, from from what he has as a tennis player. He, we had Franco um, Agamemnon almost in the top one hundred uh, just a couple yeah. of months ago, and I'd say Brancaccio is probably significantly better than Agamemnon in terms of yeah. just you know strict talent. Even though it's hard to define, but you know potential. Uh, so yeah, I, it wouldn't be the, the the most shocking thing in the world for sure. No. All right, we can talk about our semifinalists and some other players that I've highlighted here. Let's start with Lloyd Harris, who beat uh, Ivan Gakov six six of six four, eliminated Passaro seven five in the third, took out Marcora as well in the quarters in straight sets uh, to reach already his third challenger semifinal this season. He's 10 and 3 on challengers, up 20 spots now to number 155. Uh, what did you think of Lloyd Harris here? Yeah, I mean, he was probably the better the best player in the field. Uh we we talked about it before the week started. He was my pick to win it, of course. Brancaccio was yours. 
And um, yeah, but he was not clean from the get-go. He had these, he had some sort of physical issues already in the Pasaro match. I'm not even sure if maybe in the second set against Kakov. Of course, he was almost out to Pasaro as well, 5-3 down mm-hmm. in the third. Um, yeah, I, I still think it was his tournament to lose, but given how he looked against Marcora, especially, I didn't think he was beating Arnaldi or Krutik or Alvarez Varona for that matter, anyway. So uh, but but that's again due to him being um, weakened physically. Uh, Brancaccio, I thought he was probably going to get by anyway, but yeah, he ended up withdrawing before the semis. Mm-hmm. And our other semifinalist was Nicolas Alvarez Varona. Um, he made he entered as a wild card and really maximized that by beating Caruso, Peniston, and Moro Cañas in three sets, his third career challenger semifinal at 21 years old. What did you think of this run from Alvarez Verona? Yeah, we've talked about him a few times as a player who, well, should not be ranked 190 and who has more game than, uh, you know, everything in his game basically makes sense. It's um, some intangibles that are hampering his progress a bit. So definitely a good run to start his 2023 campaign. He needs to play qualies in Tenerife free now, but uh, I think he's playing Gutierrez in the opening round. And then um, who is he playing next? Uh, if he wins, uh, Damas or Harrison, I guess that's Christian, right? Uh, yeah, so if he's really as good yeah. as I think he is, he should be making it through to the main draw. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Christian Harrison will, will mention here, he's he's coming off of a doubles title, so he, he probably has his, his confidence up high. Uh, but first, I also wanted to mention Moro Cañas, who made the quarterfinals here. He had a tough start in, in qualifying, uh, 6-4 in the third wins over Merida Aguilar and Lopez San Martin. But once he was in the main draw, he beat Maestrelli 7-5-6-1, beat Misolic in straight sets as well for his second ch- uh, career challenger quarterfinal. Uh, what do you think of Morocanias here? Yeah, I really like his game. I mean, he he maybe doesn't have a ceiling as high as Alvarez Verona could, but anytime you watch him in these Spanish challengers, he's really holding his own, both on hard courts, both on clay courts as well. Uh, you know, he 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 has a, a very nice grinding game for sure, pretty heavy ball. He is the favorite against Yunchalketa tomorrow, so maybe we're gonna see him in another main draw. Would really love him to, you know, to just make, I don't know, to, top 250 uh appear in some grandstand qualities. He's probably, you know, uh good enough to be in that ranking range at the moment. Mm-hmm. And quick shout out to Yaroslav Demin, who made his debut hmm. here. Uh, in a pretty impressive loss to to Pasaro, was up six um, two, then lost two six six three six four. What did you think of Demin on his uh, challenger debut? Yeah, definitely didn't seem like he was as far from Pasaro as it would seem. Uh, we kind of even laughed about uh, Pasaro losing to Demin, I think, in the previous episode, and it was very much a possibility. Of course, a lot of that was on Pasaro totally losing his mind on hard courts sometimes. But Demin, yeah, pretty strong back and the, the service good for his age, of course. Uh, he does seem pretty, you know, pretty basic, but it, it, he's sixteen or whatever. <laughs> no, he's uh, he's seventeen, right? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I have to check I, 17, I think. 17, yeah. yeah. He's 17, of course. He has a lot of uh, time to make up for it. Yeah, one of the guys who have been, uh, who actually, I think, did, did he, uh, did he use the, yeah, I think he used the accelerator in both weeks in Tenerife yeah. now. So uh, we're also going to see him. And again, he draws a very tough Italian opponent because he's going to play Brancaccio in the opening round. Uh, but maybe if the blister is still a problem, you know, I, I don't think Demin has to lose that one, but we'll see. 
All right. Uh, in the doubles, as I mentioned, Christian Harrison won the title, and it was alongside Shintaro Mochizuki. Uh, they beat the, the Italian pair of Gigante and Passaro in the final. Yeah, the famous Gigante-Passaro pairing that we're now going to mention every single time someone snipes an opponent at the net with their serve. Uh, thank you for delivering such a beautiful moment, uh, Matteo and Francesco. Uh, yeah, that was probably like the best match point ever. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, we can go over to Cleveland where Alexander Kovacevic lost, uh, um, ruined our potential sort of streak of number two seeds, having a week of only number two seeds winning titles. Uh, and he did it by beating Yibing Wu in the final 3 6, 7 5, 7 6. His maiden challenger title, uh, lost the tight final to Yibing Wu, obviously, in Indianapolis in his first challenger final. Uh, this one, it was a, it was tough right from the start. Uh, the match against Ribakov, I watched it. It was one of my favorite matches of the week. And he did well to to come out of that one. Uh, and it would be his only straight sets match of the week. Um, no, no, no the, the next one would be his only uh, straight sets match of the week as he beat Marchenko. Uh, then beat Johnson in three straights as well. Defeated Emilio Gomez. Obviously came back from a set down in the final. Up 41 spots, number 125. 99 points away from the top 100. What did you think of Kovacevic this week? Yeah, the Australian Open loss to uh, Taberner was like really underwhelming. You could really start thinking about whether Kovacevic mm -hmm. is going somewhere this year. And then he does this, which I don't know if it's repeatable to be winning matches this way constantly, but he, he definitely has shown some progress in terms of, you know, the focus, the way he was able to play with the crowd as well from coming back from uh, a set down in three consecutive matches. And especially the, back, uh, the defense on the backhand corner, uh, against Wu, uh, you know, the, the slice was probably the shot that won him the match, which has been a, a shot that we've been, uh, you know, wanting Kovacevic to improve for a long while. It's seen some minor improvements. This time they felt pretty major in most of the matches. Against Johnson, by the way, he was down 0-2, I think, in the second and 1-4 in the third. So is it repeatable to be winning matches this way? Probably not. Um, at least not on a not, not, not on a very regular basis. But as you said, 99 points away from the top 100, and I'm also inclined to believe that there is a very big chance that he does it this year. Um, and you know, for him, it's absolutely key. I think that he took this final because another heartbreaking loss to Wu like that. And yeah, I think that would really set him uh, behind. You know, that, that would be a big setback for for him after after that Indianapolis final that they played, and then to lose another one serving for the match that would be, uh, yeah, I, I think that could really uh, hamper him for the next months or something. So yeah, for him, it's absolutely fantastic that he that he won it. Yeah, I mean, between now and June is is the biggest I think opportunity window. Yeah. He has a lot of uh sort of runs out of qualifying to the second round uh since he was still playing challenger qualifying this time last year uh but overall it, it shouldn't add up to too much and then obviously in in june he had the semi-finals in little rock but he he, sh he should be breaking it at, at some point um this season all right as for Yi Bing Wu, it was his fifth challenger final he's three and two in those finals all of them since June 2022 uh, continues to be a, a phenomenon. Um, wasn't it? Uh, wasn't there one more final? Uh, 2017 Shanghai, uh, which he won oh, right, right after yeah. the US Open yeah. Boys singles title. Yes, yeah, for forgot that one there. Um, but yeah, on on this run he beat Aiden Mayo, 
61664, uh, then to cut strong, Kirkheimer 7676, Kozlov 6461, Sandgren 6362. I really thought he was going to win this one and get us both a point, uh, but he lost this final, but still breaks the top 100 at number 97 in the rankings, moving up 15 spots. Uh, yeah, what did you think of you being with this week? Where, how, how, how high do you think he can actually go? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a tough question because I think the game is clearly, you know, top thirty quality or something like that. I don't know if he's there mentally. I don't know if he's there tennis IQ wise. Um, I I had a bit of a detailed conversation about Wu in and with someone on my DMs a couple of days ago, and I I remember really criticizing like the way he was selecting his shots and and etc. Uh, and then th- thinking that it's probably only going to come into play against guys like Boutet, the Australian Open, and you know something like that. That in the Kovacevic matchup, it makes very little difference. And then it actually turned out that Wu had a lot of issues in the in the fair, just you know choosing after which ball to balls to approach. Any weak approach was punished by Kovacevic, who suddenly has a fantastic defensive backhand. It turns out he was ripping that that that, that backhand pass uh, to yeah. break for five four. That was unbelievable. I love that. He also hit an insane one in the last game against Gomez in the semis. So yeah, in, in that regard, definitely his be- the best week of his career. Also, by the way, this is the first pro title for Kovacevic of any kind. He never won an ITF. Oh. He never won a doubles title. He never won a juniors title because he was like in 400 something in juniors. So yeah, basically this is the first title of Kovacevic's life, you know, after he turned 15, 16 or something like that. I'm assuming as a kid, he probably had some, you know, small random tournaments. Uh, but <laughs> other than that, uh, other than that, yeah, he was still awaiting. He only had one uh, ITF final in 2019, which he lost to Sitsu Berbi. But anyway, yeah. A uh, very tough uh, start for Wu, as you said, Mayo, Kirchheimer, they really pushed him. Uh, but after that, I think he was really just spot on against Sandgren and Kozlov. Of course, he has insane talent. I don't know if he is going to realize it. Uh, then again, you know, a lot of his flaws can get sort of polished up with time. Uh, we've seen it with someone like Lehechka, who is now, by the way, uh, you know, a top 20, top 15 prospect this year, probably. And that's like easily... And uh, yeah, the guy basically uh, with experience, he started um, doing everything on the tennis court better, including, uh, you know, the ability to, to play ma- to uh, like play matches to understand what he needs to do on the court. So maybe we'll we'll get there as well with some uh, big stage experience against top guys. He gets a chance in Dallas soon. Uh, I think it's definitely more of a setback. It, it would have been more of a setback for Kovacevic than it is for Wu to lose this one, especially as he's now uh, in the top 100 as well, which he did by by winning against Sandgren. Of course, he was getting there regardless in the next few weeks, but you know we still have to mention that. Yeah, uh, as for our semifinalists, we can start with Emilio Gomez, who beat Ezekiel. Clark and then Pennington Jones before a big battle against Diallo that he was 7-5 in the third. Of course, was a setup on Kovacevic. What did you think of Gomez this week? Yeah, uh, I thought he was losing to Diallo, frankly. I even thought maybe Pennington Jones has a chance. Uh, but this Cleveland courts, uh, they didn't really seem that fast. So I think that was uh, that was pretty nice for Gomez, whom we've seen struggle in like Columbus or something like that. I mean, he still made the final in Columbus last year, but you could see that he's, uh, you know, sort of just, uh, he, he was in good enough shape to uh, to keep going, even though the courts didn't suit him. Uh, here, 
he theoretically didn't have that sort of advantage after a pretty rough start to the year, but uh, th that's definitely a good round for him. And um, yeah, was very close to making it to a final. And I think if he made it to a final, he probably wouldn't beat War. So, um, you know, the Chinese can feel a little unlucky there. Yeah, the semi-final was Tennis Sandgren, uh, who started with a three-set battle against Elmar Ayupovic. Uh, winning in a third set tiebreaker, then took out Brandon Holt, 6-2 in the third. Uh, another three-set battle with Zachary Svaida, also a third set tiebreaker, before eventually losing to Wu. Uh, what did you think of Sandgren this week? Yeah, Sandgren won six, uh, seven matches so far this year, and only one of them in straights. <laughs> He's clearly uh, very determined to take the scenic route, but you know sometimes it's easy to forget after all these years of struggles for Sandgren that he's such an excellent ball striker as well. And uh, yeah, sometimes you can just look at him and be be marvelled, be be amazed at how uh, how the guy hits the ball. Yeah, and that that's that's what in his best moments he definitely does to me. Uh, also, I didn't realize that he, you know, he had that very weird, weird loss to Gengel in Nontaburi part one, but in, in the ne next two events in Nontaburi, he lost to Artur Kazo. So, uh, you know, he's definitely in a bit better form than, uh, I think most people realize. And he was at the, in the latter half of 2022 as well. So. Yeah. And over in the doubles with the top seeds, Galloway and Hachverdugo defeat the second seeds, Gonzalez and Stolder. And we can go over to Bernie, where you got your point this time around. Rinki Jikata defeating James Duckworth 6-3, 6-3 for a second boundary title. Uh, both of them in Australia. On this one, he didn't drop a single set, beating Takahashi, Ellis, McCabe, and Shimizu. Uh, up 30 spots, number 119. Uh, his new career high rank, only 83 points away from top 100, which I, I did not realize that he was going to raise like, like like rise this high i think i sort of forgot that bernie was a 75 not a 50 at one point during the week uh and yeah i think this really sets him up well for for sort of main tour uh push uh was also with his doubles ranking so yeah uh, what did you think of hijikata this week though yeah this is probably the second uh, top 100 debut already that i missed on my list along with skatov but I think Skatov is way more of a given. Hijikata actually needs to perform outside of Australia. And in stronger events, you know, he's only sometimes been able to do that. And he is dropping a lot of points just from winning ITFs, making finals in ITFs. You know, it's it's not uh, 50, it's not 75 ever, but it actually requires, you know, second rounds, quarterfinals to make, to even, you know, stay with, stick with that. So I don't know, maybe he's not that much of a lock yet, but you know, this week he was fabulous. He played just like a guy who just won a, a Grand Slam men's doubles from out of nowhere, meaning that he was so confident, so full of belief in himself that, you know, he could, he could, uh, basically he was oozing that and you could see it in almost every match. Only McCabe took him, uh, took, took more than four games in a set and, uh, yeah, Rinky was just never really pushed this week. And against Duckworth, he was so um, impressive as well. So uh, I'm definitely glad with this pick, although, uh, well, I had this concern that maybe he's not going to be able to just jump right, right back into it after such a huge emotional high he was able to. And we'll see how he does in the States now, because I think he's going to Delray and then Rome, Georgia. Yeah. Uh, as for our finalist, James Duckworth, it was his 20th challenger final, 12 and 8 in those finals. His first one was almost a decade ago in July 2013. 
in Lexington. On this run, though, it was more more of a struggle at points. Uh, he started with a straight set win over Ochi, but that would be his only one as he drops sets to uh, Jake Delaney, I think, because there's two Delaneys, right? Yeah, it's Jake, yeah. Uh, but I think, yeah, but, but yeah, it was Jake. Then he beat Sekulic 7-5 in the third, uh, beat Paul Mans in three sets as well, uh, didn't come close to winning the final, but moves up 26 spots to number 137. What did you think of Duckworth this time around? Yeah, he was sort of struggling, but still winning. Of course, the win against Paul Mans is impressive. I wonder if Sekulic would have beaten him if not for that crazy free layer against Moria that he had in the second round. Uh, but, you know, we'll never know that. Uh, I was very shocked to see him losing a set to Jake Delaney, frankly. Uh, but, yeah, uh, the, the most impressive match of the week against Paul Mans, but he actually stood no chance in the final, which was kind of surprising to see. Yeah. As for semifinalists, Mark Pullmans was one of them, beating Walken. Uh, then his doubles partner, Max Purcell, 6-3 in the third, beat Adam Walton as well. And he returns to the top 300, I think 270-something with this run. What did you think of Pullmans here? Yeah, he uh, he got out of that uh, sick uh, quarter that we are talking about with Bolt, Purcell, yes. Pullmans. Uh, good win over Walton as well. Walton has been showing some potential. And yeah, I did not see the, the semi against Duckworth. I thought Pullmans was probably a slight favorite coming into it. Uh, I suppose that must have been a big grind fest with how both guys play. But yeah, no clue how, how Duckworth uh, won it. Uh, I mean, I have a clue uh, in, in that sense that it's not shocking, but uh, I don't have a clue since I did watch. Uh, our other semifinals was Yuta Shimizu beating Shazal, School Kate, and Fankat, all in straight sets. Any thoughts on him? Yeah, I, I, I honestly, one, one thought that I had and sort of, um, you know, betting uh, related was that he was for some reason really respected by the by the bookmakers. Uh, like he was a huge favorite against Fankat, for example, which turned out right. And he was actually like perceived to have a shot at Hijikata, which did not turn out okay. But I suppose that's because he, uh, he, Rinki lost to him in Sydney last year. Uh, but that was, you know, coming off a title. So, so I, I think that was more explained by this. Uh, yeah, Shimizu just has a pretty nasty lefty game to face. So, um, you know, he, he, he is unpleasant, but was he the, the weakest out of the four semifinalists? Oh, yeah, and by, by a lot. But still a couple of great wins over Schoolcate, even over Fankat, who uh, I think beat your peak Uchiyama as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and, and over in the doubles, it was Pomaz and Purcell winning the title, beating Luke Seville and Tristan Schoolcate in the final. All right, match of the week, upset of the week. Where would you like to start? Um, I think I'll start with match. I remember we were uh, like really uh, disappointed last week with uh, the the lack of great matches, and this time there were actually plenty. One that yeah. definitely deserves to, to be considered, I think, is uh, the final Wukovacevic. I'm not going for that. Uh, I think the highest quality match I saw was Krutik Royer in Tenerife, but I'm not going for that. I'm gonna go for the drama of Sekulic Moria. Uh, as a matter of fact, if not for the rain delays in Bernie, perhaps I wouldn't even get to watch it, but I did. It was insane. Uh, I still think Sekulic, you know, he, he keeps looking close to a breakthrough. Did he get it this week? Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell. He went toe-to-toe with Duckworth and beat Moria, so maybe he did. 
Uh, but yeah, it, it was it was just insane to see that uh, that battle, that thriller after he missed match points in the second set. Uh, then the shoelace gate, by the way, which uh, was was crazy too. If if this was if this happened on the main tour, then Sekulic would have been another Stefano Tsitsipas. Uh, his shoelace his shoelaces kept breaking, and he had to ask the supervisor uh, to get them new ones. Uh, there was a one one of these delays happened just before the match point. Before the match point, there was like a five minute delay. Yeah. And um Moria talked to him at, at the net about that. You could hear it on the screen. On the screen, Moria is, you know, too kind to be nasty to him or anything, but he just said, you know, it's not fair. You should have a second pair of shoes or, or something like that. And Sakonichi <laughs> was like, what do you want me to do? Or something like that. But yeah, it, it was insane, really. It was it was uh, definitely <laughs> one of the crazier matches I've watched this year so far. And I'm choosing that for the drama, but the quality wasn't wasn't really poor at all. No. Uh, I think that the highest, uh, the better the best match I've seen this week was Krutikroyer yeah obviously I'm not a top level athlete like I've never had shoelaces break in my life have you have you ever had a shoelace break no I don't think so how does that even I've seen I've seen it happen on on the tennis court for some players uh you know but definitely not a few times I think there must have been something wrong with his shoelaces simply Uh, yeah. Like tech, technical, uh, you know, fault of the of the shoe, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I I guess they do go through a lot more shoes than than we do. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. For my match of the week, I will be going with Kovacevic over uh, Yibing Wu. It, it wasn't as good as the Indianapolis final, but I thought it was still very high quality. Some beautiful shots there. Uh, other contenders that I had were Kovacevic beating Ribakov. I also had Marchenko uh, beating Kodat in there uh and collage beating Zhang which is what I'm actually going with for my upset of the week as well. Collage Zhang. Mm, that's a that's probably a fair choice. I honestly did not choose one yet, but uh just quickly glancing at the odds there's Fankat over Ochiyama which was high and I think yeah Vessels over Wang. Vatutin over Brody that's weird to me. Um, I think I might just follow you. Uh, I think Vatutin over Brody is the biggest score for the bookies, which is super super weird to me on this slow court. Uh, but yeah, I think That's I also well. go for Jean over Korash. Did not expect that at all. I actually thought Zizhen would like these cards. So yeah. All right, we can move on to our previews. Uh, just to check the state of play in the winner's pick, it is still uh, the same when it comes to the difference, but we both added one apiece. Uh, so you were in the lead six to four. I can best I can do this week is tie since we only have two events. Uh, but we will see how it goes. Let's start in Vilnius, which will be your, your stomping ground for the week. Very exciting. Uh, at the Vitas Gerolaitis Cup, which by the way, I I did some reading on Vitas Gerolaitis because I realized I didn't know that much about him. I knew that he represented mm-hmm. uh, the USA and he was presumably of Lithuanian origin. Uh, I had no idea that he died so young and in such weird circumstances where he died i think he was 40 or so and it was of yeah. uh carbon monoxide poisoning from his pool which is i, I had uh, no idea either but there's a big uh gallery commemorating him at the venue of course for this uh-huh. for this event not for the venues open in october i i made some photos of it and we'll probably tweet it out tomorrow but yeah i also found out about the death uh, earlier uh like earlier today uh, I also didn't know that he coached Sampras at the 1994 Italian Open. 
in Rome, what? which, uh, yeah, Galixon, I think, wow. was working with uh, Sampras at the time. Maybe it wasn't Galixon, maybe it was someone else. But uh, the, the the coach of Sampras at the time uh, took like a you know, vacation, vacation or something, probably presuming that Sampras, that, that's not written on that on that board. That's my sort of guess, but probably presuming mm-hmm. that Sampras is not doing much in Rome anyway. And uh, yeah, and Gerulaitis uh, coached him during that week and Sampras won that event, of course. Yeah, I, I also wasn't really familiar with his story that much. I, I've i heard a bit about, uh, like, of course, I, I knew like more or less what he did on, on the court, uh, that he was from, like, originally his family was from Lithuania. I, I knew that as mm-hmm. well. Uh, I also heard a lot about him from the the, the Polish legend Wojtek Fibak, who claimed uh, a few times in interviews that he uh, basically, Gerulaitis, when, whenever a draw came out, he was looking for Fibak's name and hoping that they won't be next to them because he was just crushing him. Their head-to-head is actually eight all, I think. But there was a moment when, when Fibak beat him like five consecutive times. So you know, it's a funny story. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, uh, this 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 event is is commemorating him. I also had no idea about the early death, and you know, I I didn't. I I think I knew that he was dead, but I I had no idea how early that was. And uh, you're right, he was just forty. Indeed. Yeah, uh, but we can go to the event now, and we have Dominic Sticker as our top seed playing Yoris Delor. Great first round right oh, off sorry. the bat. Just 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 wanted to say the head to head is actually four and nine. <laughs> <laughs> and yet he claims that Gerulaitis was uh, was afraid of him. You know, maybe there was a brief moment, but I don't he, know. He didn't want that heat. He didn't want that feedback heat. Yeah, right. Uh, at some point. <laughs> but yes, Strika Delur, very exciting first round match. The winner of that will face a qualifier. Then we have Lokoli facing Katsper Zhuk. Sederosic uh, plays Cem Ilkel, who gets a wild card here. Very nice to see. Presumably some sort of exchange. Um, with with the Turkish Federation for one of their young talents that they have coming through. Uh, Yuri Rodionov is the third seed, playing Michael Hertz. Uh, winner will face Zdenek Kolaj or a qualifier. Heis Brauer plays Otto Virtanen. Uh, winner of that will play Eskofe or Edas Butfilas, one of those Lithuanian wildcards. Eskofe and Butfilas, uh, by the way, played at the last Venus Challenger in the second round. I, I felt like that's that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. Eskofe played both uh, played both Kaupas and Butfilas back then. Yeah, Butfilas beat, beat Kielan, I see earlier this. Yeah, this he won a 15k, and it was actually the the same venue. Uh, it was the Vilnius Cup, and it mm-hmm. was held at the SCB Arena. And he also played in the Davis Cup uh, at the same venue this weekend. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Berankis, Gaubas, and Putfilas, I think, played. Uh, Gaubas in a dead rubber. I'm not sure who played doubles, but uh, definitely Berankis and Putfilas were the top two uh, choices. Of course, it was against mm-hmm. Pakistan, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Pakistan not at home is just, um, yeah, abysmal. Yeah, and yeah, r- rough situation for them, for sure. Um, Struff is the fifth seed playing a qualifier, and then Laksan or Junhur. Uh, Denis Novak is the fourth seed playing Alexander Richard and then Berankis or Celik Bilek. So Berankis, I assume, will be the, the main star of this event. I, I do wonder if he can make a run here potentially, but it is a it's a tough section to try and get out of, I think, uh, for him second round and then potentially quarters. Um, in the final section, we have Elias Imet, the second seed playing Vilius Galbas. Winner of that will face Brody or Moraing. Uh, Vitkop Shiva plays Evan Furness and then one of two qualifiers. In that qualifying, we have some very interesting matchups and names. We have 
I mean, so much so that they, they dedicated a full day to it. Uh, <laughs> Zhukayev playing Gerasimov is, is I think, the, the pick yeah. of the lot. Uh, we also have Stachko Kirkin, um, Rosenkranz will play Porzoadze. Uh, Masur could be an interesting qualifier if he beats Ferrari. Uh, over in the doubles, we have Eserik Molchanov, who were just in the final last week playing Kopshiva Pospisil. It's always, I think, interesting to see those, uh, you know, player coach uh, out there together. We also have Cornea with Petro Sitipas. Putfilas plays with Ferrari on a wild card uh, against Escofie again. <laughs> he plays Escofie mm-hmm. in doubles as well. Escofie team with Oklepo there. Um, Jombor Pirosh is playing doubles. Yeah, uh, or, he got injured at the Davis Cup and didn't play uh-huh. Maroshan Sabdin for him. And I yeah. suppose he's just playing double speed, you know, to sort of ease his way back into it. I mean, Jean Borpiroch got injured, basically. That's all you need to know. Yeah. That happens 50,000 times a year. So, uh, it's, yeah, it, he, I'm laughing, he, he, but it's actually, of course, you know, quite yeah. um, quite a sad uh, occasion anytime it happens. because and, well, and, and he got injured in a win over Bonzi, which is the yes. well thing. Um, but yeah, uh, Kirki Piroz, actually, they face Richard and Stricker, which is an interesting team. We have Drzewiecki and Valkov in here as well. Uh, Gaubas teams up with Babelis against Raja and Sharan. Adnel de Weisborn play Kolarz and Sitak. That that would be, whoever comes out of that, could be a potential title contender. Yeah, Arnaud de Weisborn won the, won the Venus Open in October, so. Mm. Nice. Uh, but yeah, going back to the singles, who are you picking for the title here? Yeah, I will say though that yeah, as as Jakub sort of mentioned uh, on Monday, there's only the final round of qualifying, which I haven't seen happen in a challenger quite a long time. Um, and it, and, it, and it is actually noted as starting on this, uh, like, as starting on the seventh. Uh, it was February, it yeah. was initially, uh, but um, or is it not? Okay. It, 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 well, initially it said Monday start, but then they changed it. And uh-huh. I just I checked, uh, you know, when they were selling tickets for the events, they had like a a schedule of what happens when, and this wasn't uh, the way it was intended in the schedule. So I'm oh, not sure okay. when they when they made the decision. Maybe because maybe, of maybe Davis, Cup. Davis Cup travel. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, exactly. That's all I can think of. That's uh, you know some some guys like Zhuk, for example, going from Japan. You know they, they still could have scheduled him for uh, for Wednesday, right, or, or or Tuesday, even if it was the normal system. I don't know why, but you know tomorrow is going to be a pretty quiet day for sure. Just six matches, most of them, honestly, the qualifying draw is pretty weak compared to major, I think. But as you said, Zhukayev, Gerasimov, that's one that I definitely want to see. Uh, there's also uh, I think actually Putzeladze Rosenkrantz can be. Uh, surprisingly interesting the the georgian was just firing huge forehands and serves today uh, which i guess gives him a chance against rosenkrantz who's very serve oriented himself of course and yeah, as you said sachko masur uh, efcaf these are very dangerous qualifiers they're just not in the same sections with each other and by the way today i found out n- not even because i'm in vilnius just someone randomly tweeted about it or something uh do you know who uh, julian oklepo's stepfather is no no idea Tommy Hilfiger. What? Yeah. Uh, his mom uh, was uh, his mom was with an Italian tennis player, had a couple of kids, and then a few years later, I think in 2008, she married uh, Tommy Hilfiger. That's that's a good fun fact that's, if you if you want to say it. Yeah, it it is. I mean, who who knows? Maybe we'll see some sort of Tommy Hilfiger tennis collection eventually emerge if Oklepo uh, emerges I mean, as a as a competitive tennis player more often. 
I think uh, I saw Okalepo live a few times, but I never really paid attention to what he was wearing. So maybe I'm going to do that tomorrow. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, who do I think is winning this? Uh, I think it's very even. There's a lot of title contenders. Uh, you know, uh, the, the bottom section of the draw in general, like the, the, the fourth quarter looks pretty weak to me. Uh, there's no one that can really like, you know, just instantly, uh, if, if, if if any of these players get to the semis finals, I'm not confident in them winning. Uh, the one with Berankis, which you mentioned, is really strong. It, it it really is. There's Novak Richard in the opening round, which is pretty crazy. Berankis, I think, would have liked his draw from the Venus Open from October back, because if he was in this current form put into that draw, he was probably making like the final quarter semi or something like that. And of course, he lost to Dan Adet in uh, the second round. And here, he might not even make the first, uh, make the second round. And that's not going to be because he's weak. I mean, JB like just had a very good run himself. Yeah, it's a very strong section. Struff is definitely a contender for me. Uh, I think Virtanen, maybe if he can beat Brower, he's also a, a, a contender. Rodionov is always, um, always has a chance. We sort of discussed, um, that we never see him as a title contender and yet he still like wins two of them a year or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I think I have to go with Stricker. I hate this round one matchup against the Lorvo. Uh, I mean, I hate it. As 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 of uh, in terms of viewing experience, I am so excited for it. Give me that already tomorrow. Uh, you know, let's let's put on one round on match on Monday, and it's it should be Stricker Lore. But in terms of picking Stricker to win this event and break that up 100 in the meantime, I really don't like the fact that he is playing the lore. But I like how his draw sort of evens out after that. Uh, Ilkal, of course, is dangerous, but. I, I think uh, in this draw, Sticker is probably the best player, and that's what I'm going to go with here. I think it's very even, though. Yeah, I mean, like, like for me, I it's 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 tough because in in the third quarter, I see three quite potentially strong contenders in in Struf, Novak, and and Berankis. Uh, with with the fourth quarter being sort of like like this emptier space where I think whoever comes out of the third quarter will beat whoever comes out of the fourth quarter and then make the final. And then on the other hand, we have the Strika Delure matchup, and Strika is a contender for sure. But it's hard to pick against somebody who is 14 and 2 on the season, and it is on the challenger level. But I think I will go with Stricker, uh, just because when you, when you look at all of the Lures wins, it is very impressive. But he doesn't really have a win of that caliber yet. So, so, so I think that's why I'm comfortable going with Stricker, and I'll, I will match you on on that pick. Stricker did yeah. retire in Quimper as well, uh, but he wasn't on the Davis Cup team and played doubles. So I'm doubles, assuming yeah. I'm assuming that he's going to be okay. I don't know. We'll see. But I, yeah. yeah, I. I I also assume that he's fit because because of the doubles uh, participation. So, yeah, they they had other players to put in there if if he wasn't fully fit. I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Whistler instead of uh, who did Stricker play with? Maybe with Whistler, but uh, even 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 like Richard or something. Who did he actually play with? I'm not actually sure. Uh, I'm gonna check it, and you can start talking about the Nerifa maybe. Uh, sure, we can go over to Tenerife, uh, number three this time, a 75-point challenger. And we have Francesco Passaro once again as the top seed. Uh, right, with Vavrinka, you're right. So yeah, it could have been easily been Hessler if, if Stricker wasn't fit, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Passaro plays a qualifier and then the Rincon or, or another qualifier. 
We also have Tabedner playing Pablo Yamas Ruiz. Uh, Martin Andaluce is here, this time using a junior accelerator spot, uh, not a wild card, and he's facing Santiago Rodriguez Taverna. In the second section, Misolic plays Bonadio, Copayans uh, plays Moreno de Alboran, Maestrelli faces off with Lukas Rossol, and the winner of that match will play Mager or uh, Qualifier. Third section, uh, we have that matchup we mentioned earlier, Raul Ra is the fourth seed playing Eroslav Demin. Winner will face Michal Kukushkin or Alessandro Gianesi. Uh, Oleksi Krutich plays Stefano Travaglia, who's here with a wild card. I think that's a, that's a good first round match. Winner plays uh, Zekic or Gengel. Then we have Shevchenko here as the second seed, surrounded by qualifiers slash lucky losers, five of them to be exact, uh, just in a row next to his name. And then we have Peniston and Svachina also uh, in his section. So I think we, do we only have one or do we have two lucky losers coming in? Um, five, <laughs> eight. So it's at least two for now, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, we can go over to qualifying uh where they didn't they didn't complete all the matches yeah. uh today but we already have some of the names that ha that are in the line last round we have buyun chaukete against uh alejandro morocanas which will be a, a great one and whoever wins that uh could be dangerous both of them dropped just one game against wild cards in, in the first round uh we have dominguez facing caruso uh we have shelby who just defeated diaz playing Merida aguilar uh, from the matches that are still in the first round, uh, Gigante could emerge. He's the top seed. We also have Alvarez Varona, as you mentioned, uh, could face uh, Damas or Christian Harrison if he beats Gutierrez. We also, we also have Mochizuki and Moroni in qualifying. So some interesting guys, and they actually could win a couple of rounds, uh, especially since they'll be playing each other in that in that uh, <laughs> uh, fourth quarter. Over in the doubles, we have Bortolotti and Martos Gornes as, as the top seeds. Uh, some other interesting teams include Krutich and Marojan teaming up together. Uh, Marojan, did I miss him? Yeah, Marojan is just here for doubles. So okay. it seems. So it's the Hungarian way, apparently, to, yeah, uh, to relax after the Cup. Uh, we have Libietis uh, playing with Margaroli. Brancaccio teams, teams up with Shkugor. Uh, Marero and Mulje back again with a wild card this time against Bonadio and Travaglia. Uh, so we'll see what they do there. We have Andrew Harris teaming up with Christian Harrison, which is one last week. Father and son uh, duo. Sorry? Father and son duo. No, that was a very bad joke, but you know, because <laughs> Harrison, Harrison. Yeah. 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 I just I just realized. Um Shevchenko's playing doubles as well with Bondarevsky. Uh Rousseau, who's another one of those shady wild cards. He has one in doubles with Didn't he play uh, for Haiti? No? I think Rousseau. he did, right? Yeah. So I think he, he must have changed to yeah. the states. Oh yeah, so because on this side that I'm on, he's still listed as Haiti. He's ah, playing okay. with Miguel Garcia Jordano, who's a 36-year-old Spaniard. Uh, he played. He he was one of the wild cards. He lost to Yunchaoketa in uh, singles qualifying, and then lost to Gigante the week before in singles qualifying. His only previous professional match before that was from 2003, where he lost six one six Luff in challenger qualifying. So maybe this guy is is a coach or something, or yeah, we'll, we'll see. it's like a Marero. Anyway, 
sort of. I, I, I would really love to see something done about these wild cards because it is really just uncomfortable at this point. Like it, it, it's, it's just it's just weird. Yeah, what can you really but, do though, right? I mean, yeah, it's, how do, it's tough how because do you then, then you sort of have line. to, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's tough to set the line because there are unranked players theoretically who would deserve a wild card, like juniors or college players who haven't played pro yet exactly. or whatever. So it's very hard to sort of define those rules without getting rid of wild cards altogether, which I don't think that would be. I don't know. I, I can't imagine it, but it, but there are beautiful stories that in, that involve wild cards and players getting wild cards towards the end of their careers and stuff. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I just don't like seeing these guys in such limited draws uh, getting these wild cards. It's it's a bit weird to me. But anyway, going back to the singles, who do you think is winning the title in Tenerife? Yeah, I'll just say that, um, you know, the, the sort of resolution that mostly gets uh, proposed is just to remove the wildcard system altogether. But I, I really wouldn't like that. I just think wildcards make for some such good stories whenever they yeah. are actually deserved, whenever someone, you know, Goran Ivanisevic winning Wimbledon in 2000, uh, 2001. Uh, that that was something that it's going to be mentioned until the end of days, until someone and, it, and it's very unique to tennis. It, it is like oh, yeah. um, it, it's 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 very much a tennis thing, and I think that's that's a type of uniqueness that I think would be nice to keep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, who 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 do you think is taking this title here? Not picking anyone from the qualies, I think. Although Alvarez Varona, Morocanias, you know, they're dangerous, even Gigante to an extent. But I'm not not that confident in them actually making it. And then of course it's a bit of a um a toss-up, like whether where they will lost uh, get drawn. I don't know if Passaro, you know, he still has another chance for the top 100, and he is up and down on hard courts for sure. I think he fares a lot better against someone like Harris, where he doesn't have to dictate. He where he just defends, defends, runs from one corner to another, and then Passaro can actually, uh, like, I know his mind is working better on hard courts than if if he actually has to uh, think of options to win the point. Even against Harris, though, he had that game when he was just drop shotting every single shot, and you know he he lost it. I think to to get broken for the match. I wonder if Daniel Rincon will do something because he had a phenomenal January, fourteen and one. Have not watched him in a while, so I'm wow. not sure if he developed anything since then. Oh, by the way, this is totally random. But do you uh, happen to know what Dragos Nikolai Madaras's record is this year? Uh, I'm not sure, but but I did see that he was in a final today of, of like an M25. Yeah, it's think, 20, right? 20 and zero. What? He's won four, <laughs> he's won four ITFs in a row. So, you know, soon enough, we're going to see Madaras in some challenges as well, probably. Yeah, Rincon is a big mystery to me right now because the last time I watched him, which was probably, uh, I don't know, like the middle of 2022, maybe, uh, maybe the latter half of 2022, he was his game was just so pedestrian. His game was so... Um, he just wasn't doing much with the ball, and right now, by by just by the names he's beaten, you know, Shelby, Kravchenko, Damas, Gil, Martin, Tifon, Moleker, Fanslow, uh, Vallejo. This is all this year. Uh, I'm assuming that he made some progress, but that that actually kind of makes me scared of picking Passaro because I think he can easily lose to someone like Rincon. Taberner Yamas Ruiz, that's a great first round as well. I don't want to go there. Maybe Landalusa can get a win over Sergius Taverna. Misolic was was pretty good, but he lost to Morocanias. Do I trust him to win the event? I don't know. Anyway, the way I'm thinking about this, 
<laughs> there's also that fun section, of course, Benistons, Chinas, Shevchenko, and five qualifiers. Uh, but I think I'm going with Krutik. Uh, he really played some excellent tennis this week, lost just to Arnaldi. Uh, I think at some points he was just, uh, yeah, uh, especially I think since the last few months of 2022, he seems to have made a big jump. Uh, I've seen people um, sort of diminishing his Australian Open run because of the players he beat in the qualifying. Maybe it wasn't the strongest path, but he still played some excellent stuff to get there. Even against Schwartzman, he held up pretty well. Of course, it's a weak version of Schwartzman, but you know, uh, it's still something for Krutik for sure. And he has done in, insane progress on hard courts. Uh, yeah, and I, I really like his section, uh, not counting Brancaccio, but uh, I doubt Brancaccio has, uh, is going to go that far again, or maybe, you know. Um, it could be a pretty good draw for Brancaccio as well. Like if we just sort of flip it and then we have a quarterfinal beating Krutik and Brancaccio, which would have been one, which would be one of the highlights of the event. So anyway, I am going with Oleksii Krutik. Yeah, uh, Krutik was probably my second choice uh, when looking at this at this draw. As you said, worries about Misolic after his loss last week. Rincon, if he's in this type of form, could be dangerous for Passaro. Passaro also didn't look completely very didn't look very convincing last week in the first place. Brancaccio with those um, blisters. I'm not going to pick him. Uh, Demin is. I'm I'm really curious to see if if, if Demin can maybe take advantage of that in the first round uh but yeah Krutik it's sort of I'm, I'm not sure if I was scared off but like Travali I don't know if he's the if he's a comfortable first round completely and then Brancaccio if, if he gets to that point could, could be dangerous again I will be going for Shevchenko uh Shevchenko has this uh fun thing obviously he he won Tenerife one uh then inexplicably didn't go to Tenerife two but went to Otinye uh, uh that was sure not, not the same week uh, Tenerife. Oh, wait, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. Went you're to Otinia, right. then was supposed to play Tenerife too, but I think he withdrew. Um, but yeah, so he is um, he is undefeated in Tenerife <laughs> and winless outside of Tenerife uh, <laughs> this season, which is, which is fun. And I wanted to continue and I want to cheer for that continuing of that. As I said, there are some tricky names in, in qualifying potentially, and he will most likely see them. There's a five and eight chance uh, that, that he will come up against whoever is <laughs> is dangerous in there. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to go for it. Shevchenko for the title here. I have to worry you a little bit. In 2021, Shevchenko played there <laughs> and he beat Mariano Curbelo and Damas before losing to Alice. So he is not undefeated on that island, or even this this, this season. This season he's undefeated. This season he is. Yes, this season he is. Yeah, Shevchenko is a very serious choice as well. I just I don't know. I still don't see his Tenerife one run being repeatable. But yeah, in this section of of quarterfinal of uh, qualifiers, uh, yeah, I think if they play, oh, because actually Krutik and Shevchenko were supposed to play in the first round, right? And Shevchenko drew. Uh, that was in Tenerife too. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, because someone was uh, on Twitter, someone was suggesting that there might not be a handshake. And um, mm. I, I, I know they're like, I don't know if friends, but they definitely have a good relationship. So uh, that wouldn't have been the case. Anyway, uh, yeah, if they if they meet in the semis, I think I'm beating Krutik, but it's definitely somewhat close. 
anyway, uh, that's it for today. Uh, thanks for listening again. Of course, thanks for staying uh, until the end if you did. We're going to be back in a week to discuss Vilnius and Tenerife. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to have some uh, additional stuff from the Lithuanian capital for you. Uh, I will try my best. Uh, and yeah, uh, see you then. Bye.